To sign up for our announcements, send a blank email to radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. That's radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. Thank you for calling the ACB Radio and Information Line brought to you by Xeno Media. 518-906-1820. That's 518-906-1820. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, welcome to ACB Home, Garden, and Agriculture. I'm your facilitator, Deborah. Thank you to our Zoom host, Allison. You'll be hearing from her in a bit. And our um, Debbie is here streaming on ACB Radio. Thank you, Debbie. Uh, We have a wonderful guest today, Susan from the University of Idaho. She will be talking to us about herbs and herb lore. Really looking forward to this one. Um, Before I start talking to Susan, I do want to encourage anyone who is interested in being a future guest on one of these monthly calls to contact me at acb.home.garden.agriculture at gmail.com. I'll try to remember to give that again. I know it's a lot of dots. Um, and we, we do focus on living sustainably, keeping animals, and growing plants. Um, I do also have some exciting news. Um, we have, uh, some of you might remember Marge. She joined me um, back in January. She talked about starting seedlings back in January. Starting in April, Marge will be a co-facilitator with me. I think that will bring a lot of good um, information and liven things up a little bit for us to have a co-facilitator, especially one as stellar and knowledgeable as Marge. So, Um, Next month, we'll be talking about using um, techniques as gardeners who are blind or have low vision. So please join us for that. Whether you have one plant or uh, acres and acres, please join us and share your questions and uh, ideas. So with and, and then in May, we're going to be talking chickens. So a couple of good calls coming up Um, without further ado, I do want to welcome Susan. Susan, thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's good to be here, Deborah. Well, I I am a continuing master gardener with the University of Idaho, thanks to Susan. And um, we were just joking a little bit ago that you haven't done this very long. Uh, tell, tell us how many years you've been working as horticulturalist. I've been a horticulturist with the University of Idaho for 36 years. Uh, come this August, it'll be 37. But it's a, wow. it's a fun fun job to be teaching people how to garden and how to take care of landscapes and how to figure out plant problems and identify insects and all sorts of things like that. So I think that if you like what you do, you just keep doing it. Yes. And one of the things you do where I met you um, back in the 90s was um, in the Master Gardener program. You run that. Could you tell us a little bit about about the Master Gardener program? 
Well, I think it is true. I know these are all over the world, all over the world. So. Yeah, they, the Master Gardener program started in Seattle, King County, Washington, and uh, it was started to teach the public, uh, a group of the public, to help answer questions at the extension office. And so that's what we do is teach basic horticulture. And then we, in turn, in order for these master gardeners to be certified, we have them give 50 hours of community service, helping answer questions at the extension office, teach classes in their communities, uh, working with children, seniors, and adults of all sorts, and you know, promoting uh, gardening so that people can feed themselves, take care of their landscapes if they have a landscape, and also just enjoy plants in general. It's and it, it's a remarkable education too, and it's definitely um, something we've talked about off and on uh, in our calls. And I I sure encourage people to check with their local extension agency and see if they can get involved. So we're we're here to talk about herbs and herb lore today. Could could you tell us? Uh, what is an herb? Well, the word herb has been used for a lot of different plants over the years, and it pretty much means plants <laughs> when you talk about herbs, or you can say it with an H, herbs. But herbs are the oldest cultivated garden crop species in the world, and mostly uh, they have been used for many different things, not only foods, but also medicinal, and um, more lately, beauty as well as um, crafts. So in the beginning, the herbs were special plants that were good for using in, as foods or um, to spice up foods and also for health reasons. So how do herbs differ from spices? Well, herbs are usually herbaceous, meaning that they're non-woody. And they're usually a temperate plant, can grow in temperate regions where spices tend to come from tropical regions. And then the herbs tend to be... Um, annuals or biennials, maybe even herbaceous perennials, but mostly spices come from uh, trees and shrubs. So when we think of spices, we might think of things like cinnamon and nutmeg, things of that nature. Uh, Whereas when we're looking at herbs, we're looking at using the leaves, the flowers, maybe the seeds, and we'd be looking at things like basil and rosemary and thyme, those type of plants. And I would say that probably the herbs are um, more inexpensive compared to the spices because the spices we're looking at using the roots or the bark or the fruit and there's quite an expense for shipping them you know from the tropics but also the labor involved in gathering them so when you're thinking about you know historically um, are there any herbs that stand out as as herbs that that we've been using for hundreds of years oh yeah there's Excuse me, there's whole books, you know, in fact, the um, modern pharmacology we have today was begun uh, using the herbals, which were old books um, that were written way back when talking about which plants to use for medicinal purposes. But we've been using plants for spicing up our foods for a long time. So things like rosemary and sage and savory and thyme, uh, all these plants we still use today. Um, We think about um, trying to relax with chamomile tea. Uh, We use chives uh, oftentimes, and fennel is used. Uh, There's so many plants that we use. When we think of uh, trying to relax, we're thinking about lavender oils. And so a lot of these plants have been used for centuries, just centuries. And the medicinals, we 
we don't usually tell people, um, you know, that their eyes going to work, but some of them do, you know. So when we think about using a medicinal plant, for example, maybe like eucalyptus for a sore throat, and we still use that today. But there are uh, some herbs that we probably would not use today as readily as they did in the past. And what would those be? What would be well, some examples of that? Let's just say that, you know, um, in the past, they um, I think they found out things uh, in a harsh way insofar as that uh, they would try things and then if somebody got sick off it, then, then they would say, oh, well, don't use that. And one of those uh, would be something like foxglove. Foxglove, if you eat a flower of foxglove, you can die. And so foxglove actually is a source of digitalis, which is a strong heart stimulant. And if your heart beats correctly and you eat foxglove, you can actually cause it to beat irregularly. So you don't want to be eating foxglove. But there are recipes actually in the old herbals that talk about a couple flowers of you know, foxglove thrown into the recipe, which I don't think that you want to do that. It's probably not so a good idea. can't trust those old herbals. Is there um, any lore that, that comes to mind that, that kind of brings a smile to your face when you think about it? Well, yeah, I, I, well, I think that um, the thing that comes to mind that brings a smile to my face is that um, people used to carry what was called nosegays. And we think of nosegays as maybe a bunch of flowers, you know, that you have in your hand. And um, back then it was more like herb leaves. And they would carry these around and smell them. And they felt like different smells from different plants could do different things for you. And so they would say things like... Um, you know, time would make you think better and have better memory. And back in the uh, the day, let's say Middle Ages and stuff, they didn't believe in bathing. They thought, you know, bathing was not healthy and they thought the night air was not healthy. And so many people, I think, were wandering around smelling kind of strongly. And so <laughs> one of the things they used to do is they would uh, strewn the floors in their homes with herbs so that anybody walking in or if they had a, a wedding or a group gathering, they would have these wonderful smells of the herbs that they were stepping on that would perfume the room. And they also believed that um, that these plants, these herbs, uh, could protect um, the judge in courtrooms. And so they would put these herbs on the desk of the judge and uh, protect him from whatever diseases that the prisoners might have. And they also would use them in jails. They would strewn them on the floor in jails. Once again, I think for odor, you know, and um, they, they would use things like marjoram and rosemary to strewn on the floors, hyssop and rue. And this was their way of thinking back then. And luckily we've gotten to, we've changed our thinking a little bit to where we're we're taking more baths and showers and things these days. <laughs> and we realize that bathing is not a bad thing. And gosh, you could even use soap that has lavender oil in it and smell delightful. Yes, I, that had to be um, a very interesting blend of odors in a big crowd. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so let's say we have somebody out there who is living in an apartment and says, I just have a black thumb. I can't grow anything. I, I'm kind of interested in growing an herb. Where, where would you say that person should start? Oh, the, the herbs are fairly easy to grow, I would say. And because you can find herbs for a sunny place or a shady spot, they can grow in almost any type of soil. 
And you'll find some that can take wet soils. You can find some that take very dry soils. And they can be small in size or they can be large in size. It all depends on you know what it is that you'd like. They take hardly any, if at all, any fertilizer. And you know, um, I would say that probably growing some of the mints are some of the easiest plants to grow because all you need is a cutting of a mint almost and um, stick it in some water, get it rooted, and then stick it in the ground, and there you go. They're very quick. I they they are once you have them, they are hard to get rid of out in the yard too, which um, yeah brings me to you know what are some of the pros and cons of growing some herbs that just come to mind. Well, I think you hit it on the head there. I think that the mints are something that you probably want to contain. And so if you're going to grow them outside, I would probably put them in a pot so that they can't escape uh, out of the pot. You could even dig the pot into the ground a little bit, you know, if you wanted to. But I would say something that would corral them would be a good thing because, yeah, they can move uh, pretty readily with their root system wherever they want. But other herbs will stay put. So, I mean, things like thyme. There's about 17 different types of thyme, and a couple of them are ground covers, and they only get an inch tall, and they'd be wonderful to have in an area where you're walking um, in your backyard or sitting in the backyard that you could have this wonderful fragrance coming up. But you want to make sure that you would choose the ones that only get one inch tall because the ones that are woody, because there are some woody thymes that make little shrubs. And, of course, those you'd want to keep off to the side. You don't want to be walking on them or tripping on them. But um, there's so many different ones to choose from when it comes to uh, thyme, just as, you know, one of the type of herbs that are out there. And as we mentioned, uh, mints, many different types of mints, ones that smell like apple, ones that smell like spearmint, you know, that we're used to, or peppermint. But, yeah, lots and lots of different stuff. But herbs tend to be very low maintenance. And so uh, that makes it uh, an easy plant to grow for most people. Yeah, I I know that um, I just picked up a few herbs at Trader Joe's about a week ago. That they are readily available too, very popular at, as house to grow inside and outdoors. So at this point, um, Allison, uh, who is our Zoom host, uh, Allison, could you tell people how they can raise their hands? and ask questions or make comments. Sure, be glad to. Uh, So to raise your hand, if you're on a PC, it's Alt-Y. If you're on a Mac, it's Option-Y. If you're on a smartphone, it's going to be an option under the More button, which is in the uh, lower right-hand corner. And uh, from a standard phone, you raise hand with star 9. Okay, to mute and unmute... If you're on a PC, it's Alt-A on the Mac, Command-Shift-A. From a smartphone, the mute and unmute button is in the lower left-hand corner. From a standard phone, mute and unmute is star six. So if you want to make a comment, just raise your hand. Oh, we got a couple of hands raised. Okay, go for it, Allison. Okay, Cindy Hollis. Hi. Yeah, thank you. Uh, So first, I'm curious of something I was given. This was a while back now uh, when I lived in Washington, but somebody gave me some lemon balm and uh, I had it in a big like whiskey barrel. 
And it was wild, let me just say. And that stuff grew and it was resilient. Uh, Talking about not having to do much with it, uh, I sure didn't. But I never knew what it really was. What is lemon balm? And I never knew what to do with it. So what I loved about it is it was very fragrant, especially if I would just pick a, a piece of it and I could like rub it in my hands and the scent was so amazing. So anyway. Well, you pick a, a good one there. Lemon balm is really easy to grow and it is, actually is in the mint family. And so, of course, it's want tra- it'll travel and so far as it'll make a bigger and bigger and bigger mound but it has this lemony scent to it and it actually is used nowadays more for the scent um, people do occasionally put uh, you know one of the leaves in um, their lemonade or something like that but it's not necessarily used for that it's just the lemon scent and so um, preparations of the leaves they used to treat uh, colds and headaches with it and they claimed that it would calm a nervous stomach. So if you wanted to make a tea of it uh, to calm yourself or have, you know, uh, relieve a cold, they felt that lemon balm would help you with that. So the other thing that it can do, which is interesting, is they claim that if you crush the leaves, uh, you can actually uh, put it on insect bites. And it would kind of take the sting away from the in- insect bite that you have. And then um, when we're talking about some sort of culinary use for it in the kitchen, we'd be looking at um, not only teas, but cooling drinks or flavoring a salad or a soup or an egg dish. But of course, you'd use just a tiny bit because it's very strong lemon uh, flavor to it. Thank you. I I have a lemon bomb story I have to tell. I have a neighbor who had some that creeped over into my yard and I thought, oh, I, I'm going to transplant this and put it in my front yard. Uh, I have dozens and dozens of them now. Even my chickens can't kill it. And it it does taste really good in salads. It makes a nice infusion. If you pick the fresh, you take like a couple tablespoons of fresh lemon balm and you um, steep it for about 10 to 15 minutes. It makes a nice uh, tea, or it's also supposed to be good to put on your hair. But well, you know, I've that's also... that's that's a good point. And I was going to say that's a good point because um, they claim that it's uh, used in perfumes and cosmetics a lot commercially. Yeah, but it is quite uh, it, it it can really get out of control. <laughs> but it's a lovely herb. Yes, it is a mint, though. Remember, gotta watch those mints. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, Allison, do you have another? Yes, we have uh, we have several. We have three. Uh, Maggie is next. Maggie, you may unmute. Hi, thank you. I have Greek oregano growing in my square foot garden, and it just doesn't smell like oregano when I rub the leaves. Um, even when I dried it, it it does, just doesn't smell like oregano at all. Uh, and it's been identified as Greek oregano by um, uh, Penn State. Um, master gardener uh, as I you know I photoed it uh, took a picture of it and sent it to her or him I'm not sure who answered me what do you think, well, do you think it's one losing of the, its oomph well they, it shouldn't but um one of the ways that can cause a um, an herb to lose its oomph if if it's getting uh, too much water or too much fertilizer because the herbs need to grow very slowly 
And uh, we usually don't fertilize them at all because as they grow slowly, they'll, the essential oils in them will gather. But if you make them grow faster using fertilizers and lots of moisture and things and they're growing quickly, they're not going to accumulate the essential oils. Now, sometimes what we, we have found is that people have been sold what they thought was Greek oregano, mm-hmm. but actually they were getting um, sweet marjoram or a different plant that looks similar to it, but it was mislabeled. And that's a possibility, too, that you could end up with something that's a, it kind of looks like oregano, but it actually is in the marjoram family and not really oregano. And so there, that's the other thing you have to watch out for. But I think mostly uh, the fertilization is something to, you know, keep in mind with plants when it comes to herbs anyway, in, as plants, is that don't either, don't even fertilize them or if you do very little bit. Well, I haven't been fertilizing this, but it is in the lower end of the square foot garden where the water drains too. So maybe, oh, and yeah, it's coming it up there, every year. Yeah. It, yeah. it comes up every year. Yeah, it um, comes back. It has a big old root system to it and it is considered a perennial. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I, I think I'll just um, cut some and dry it and try again uh, when it comes up this year and see, see how it goes. Um, but you mentioned marjoram. That's, um, so much like oregano, right? It's just really very much even the smell. Very much, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I the, I love uh, marjoram, but you know for the smell. In fact, I love all herbs for the smell. But yeah, it's very close to oregano. And this um, oregano is um, actually in the mint family, also. Yes, anything with a square stem. And so when you feel the stem, if it has a square to it instead of round, it mm-hmm. means it's in the mint family. And so there's many, many different plants that are in the mint family like that. I never realized the of the stems until that master gardener did point that out to me. Yeah, and that's yeah. Uh, that should you know, raise a little bit of a red flag insofar as that they, they grow easily and they can spread. And so anything in the mint family, we corral, try to corral it a little bit. <laughs> right. Thank you. Well, thank you. And, you know, Susan, one thing that I've heard, and you can let me know if you would agree with this that it is better to pick herbs in the morning um, because the essential oils are stronger in the morning than in other parts of the day. Would you say that's accurate? Oh, yes, that is true. And um, because they're gathered up and then as the day goes on, they start to volatilize out of this plant, you know. And so, yeah, I would say early morning picking, you know, for the herbs would be the best way to go. Okay. And Allison, do we have another call? Yes, we do. We have Lynn Coates. Lynn, you can unmute. Hi, everybody. Um, <clears throat> I love, now, as I heard it, lavender is an herb, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love lavender, <clears throat> but here's the thing. I want to plant it, but I'm afraid of bees. So <clears throat> does lavender normally, I'm probably going to get the answer I hate, Attract bees. It does. <laughs> Unfortunately, it does. Okay. <laughs> and uh, the any actually a lot of the herbs attract bees, and and the reason for that is they have little tiny flowers, and right. a lot of them oftentimes, and the bees love those little tiny flowers. So um, what I have found with bees is um, they they don't seem to bug you, you know, if you're not swatting at them or anything like that. 
and I've actually gotten close and, and, you know, watch what they're doing and things like that and can hear them around me as they're buzzing. But I just go about my business and I figure as long as I'm not, you know, stomping on one or swatting it, then I'll be okay. <laughs> it's worked out so far so good. Okay, I'll have so, to curve my uh, enthusiasm. So, Lynn, Lynn, I I have grown quite a bit of lavender and have had bees all over it, and I've I've run into them, and I've never been stung. And I, Susan, I don't know if this is true or not, but I was told that lavender actually has something that makes the bees a little bit a little bit dopey and um, less inclined to sting even than usual. Have you have you heard that? Um, I haven't heard that, but I wouldn't doubt it. Only because if you sniff on lavender long enough, you know, cause I know I have like a packet of lavender flowers that I, I go and when I feel like I can't get to sleep and I'll just put this packet by my nose and smell it and smell it and smell it. And pretty soon I'll tell you, you're feeling pretty nice. It's like it's actually a mild sedative and oh. it relieves supposedly headaches and insomnia. And uh, they use it a lot in perfumes and soaps and things. And um, the interesting thing about lavender is, um, and it may you know do the same for the bees. It may be like a little bit of a, a sedative for them. But um, the word itself, uh, lavender, comes from the Latin word lavare, which means to wash. And actually, the Romans used to put it in their baths. And so um, and nowadays, we use the oil. It's very popular in toilet toilet water and um, perfumes, soaps, other toiletries and things like that, as well as sachets, you know, that you would put with your lingerie or linens. But yeah, it's a favorite, uh, very much a favorite. Could I grow this on a lattice and sunny? Like it's very sunny where this is. They like, oh, they like sun. Yeah. Okay. They're okay. totally into sun. They're it's kind of a woody plant when, you know, right. more like a little shrub. And, right. um, but yeah, they like full sun and they do best in full sun. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lynn. Okay. All right. Allison, do we have anyone else? Yes, we do. Next is George okay. with his hand raised. George, you may unmute. Hello. Um, first of all, I just wanted to express my gratitude for ACB for hosting this type of resource. I've actually been looking around for something like this for a while because I love to cook. And of course, anything that has to do with cooking at a any level <clears throat> involves herbs, and I just love having fresh herbs. And I hate having to spend two, three dollars per, you know, a few ounces of things that go very bad from the store very quickly. So I'm glad that we're having this discussion. I have a question about germination. Uh, if we get a lot of herbs from seeds, I'm looking to purchase um, a couple of rare seeds, like giant basil and a couple of other ones. So is it actually best to start from, or is it just better for someone doing it for, uh, this will be my second time maybe, to just do things from cutting and see what happens, see what's happening with the weather, the atmosphere, the climate around where I am. I think that um, starting from seed is a, a good way to go. It's uh, an inexpensive way to go, but it's slower than if you can do cuttings. And so a lot of times people... Excuse me, especially on the perennial weeds, we'll actually do cuttings uh, in order to get them rolling faster so they're not waiting for the plant to get to some size. Got it. That makes sense. And then the secondary question is aside from Master Gardener, which I will definitely check out, 
are there any kind of compiled resources? Because I know there's a lot on the internet, but sometimes you don't want to wade through all of that information. So are there any good books that might be available on Bard or Bookshare that would you know, just give a quick rundown of each herb, its type, its growing region, that kind of thing? So, George, I, I can... Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead well, um, on NLS, I, there are a number of books specifically on herbs. Uh, I would say a good one to start with would be a green guide to herb growing. That, that's a nice, quick um, overview and it does go into propagation and uses. So it's, I, but there are a number of other ones. If you, you go to the gardening subject area on Bard, you'll you'll find um, quite a few really good resources. But, but I'm sure Susan has some other good suggestions too. All right, but the one you just mentioned was a green guide to herb growing. Okay, got it. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, I also, um, Reader's Digest, most people have heard that word or name before. They put a lot of books, and one of the books they put out, which is an excellent one, is uh, Magic and Medicine of Plants, and it deals totally with herbs of every kind. And they okay. dedicate a whole page um, for each of these herbs and tell you things like the history of them and how they're used and all this. It's just really fascinating. Okay. That's the Magic and Medicine of Plants? It's called Magic and Medicine of Plants. Yeah, Reader's Digest. Okay. I'll definitely look for that one. I've read, like, Square Foot Gardening, of course, and Wild About Herbs, but I definitely need some more books. Well, and and you're doing the right thing. Just plunge in there and start experimenting with it. It sounds like you have some good uses for them, too. I I don't cook as much as I should, so I'm kind of jealous of this. <laughs> Just that ability to uh, put them to good use too. Thank you. But, you know, he brings up it brings up a good point. He brought up a good point, and that is uh, the books on herbs. There are hundreds and hundreds of books out there written on herbs because it seems to be a very very popular uh, group of plants. And so, um, when you start looking for books, boy, you'll find all sorts of things out there. Thank you, George. Okay, next we have Ed Kenlin with his hand raised. You may unmute, Ed. Hi, Ed. Hello, glad to be here. I'm glad you guys are here. And my question has to do with, um, we have a container garden. Um, my, my wife and I have a container garden. And, and I don't know whether it was delivered or by accident. I just can't remember. But uh, to me that we have several volunteer herbs in there. Uh, mint especially. And, uh, and then we have lavender, age, I believe. And now the bee balm grows tall and blossom on it. And sure enough, all of uh, uh, well, lavender do indeed attract bees, and I'm I'm the sighted one in the pair here, and Marilee is the vision impaired person. Um, <clears throat> so I've got the pictures, really close-up pictures of bumblebees on lavender, and I've been so close I can nearly touch them, and they haven't even bothered. So I, whoever was mentioning uh, they're a little bit afraid of uh, around, they pretty much ignore humans when they're after the pollen. Um, then my, my real question is, uh, when these herbs grow and overflow their containers, is it okay just to cut them back to the nub and let them start over in the spring? Or how does that work? Well, what's the pruning? You sure, yeah, you sure can do that. You can sure do that. The, uh, they will grow back. And um, when they're perennials like that, they'll be coming back for you. You can actually take pieces off of them and start new um, by taking some of the root system 
or dividing the plants and moving them to a different location or giving them to friends, that type of thing. So, um, and I know bee balm is very uh, easy to dig a chunk of the root out and repot it or um, move it to another location. The bee balm is interesting insofar as it uh, used to be called Oswego tea because the uh, Oswego Indians in western New York used to make a tea of these aromatic leaves. And um, it's it's something that the uh, colonists in the United States used to use as a substitute for tea. And you probably heard of the Boston Tea Party way back when, when they threw the tea into the harbor because they didn't want to pay the taxes to the king for the tea. Well, they ended up having to use Monarda or Oswego tea. Monarda is a genus name for bee balm uh, as their tea substitute. And uh, today you can still get tea, black tea that's mixed with Monarda, which is called Earl Grey. Well, how about that? Very good. Well, thanks very much. And and Susan, isn't it a good idea to um, divide and clean them out? Because herbs, I know lavender, after a few years, it, it, it just doesn't look too good anymore. Isn't it a good idea to kind of switch them out once in a while? It is a good idea to um, trim them back. Um, also, um, to, like I say, cut portions of them off and stuff, make them a smaller plant again so that they look nicer because they can get kind of rangy if they've been there for a long time. Thank you. Our, la- our last uh, question questionnaire, that person talked about sage, and I think sage is a, a really interesting plant. There's lots of different types of sage, once again, but the one that we're concerned about is uh, the one that we'd use in cooking. And the interesting thing about sage is it, uh, its name comes from a Latin word, salvere, which means to save. And it has antiseptic and antifungal qualities. And it was used as uh, an aid in indigestion and to reduce sweating and also for nervous conditions. But the interesting part about sage is they felt like if you ate enough of it, you would become immortal. Ah. Well, um, start eating. (laughs) Yeah, I need some sage. (laughs) I I wonder if it's ever been used in deodorant. (laughs) That remark uh, needs an LOL, to be sure. (laughs) All right. Well, so, Allison, do we have any other hands raised? Oh, yes, we do. Next, we have Terry Pacheco. Terry Pacheco, you can unmute. Hi. Um, it's funny. I was just talking with someone else about putting a show together on just this topic for another group this afternoon. And a couple of different questions I have. Um, what would you recommend? Here's my problem. Out front, I have sun 100% of the day. I'm thinking about doing a container of lavender out there. That sounds like that would like you would think I was doing right on that. But mm-hmm. my bigger problem is... My kitchen is north facing, so it gets um, maybe about a half hour of sun in the morning and maybe an hour in the afternoon um, of sun. And I would love to to do some herbs in the windowsills out there, the east and west facing ones. Um, And I'm wondering what you would recommend that wouldn't be getting much sun. Well, we would have to look at some of the herbs that can take um, a lot of herbs like sun. So we'd have to be thinking about which ones can grow in a a shady location and uh, still give you something. They might get a little stretched because a lot of times they'll stretch out if they don't get enough sun. But um, chervil and 
would be one I would think that you could try. Um, we have parsley growing very well in shade here. Uh, we have it under big shrubs, and the parsley seems to do good even without a lot of sun. So, well, that's good. Parsley is one of the things that we do enjoy. Um, let me just ask you this: When I buy herbs at the grocery store, can you use, can I use those for uh, cuttings, or do you need something you can, that's sure. got a root to begin with? Well, actually, you can you can try. Um, it depends on you know how long they've been in the package. Oh, hang on! I told them you usually like to go eat outside at sunrise. It's too cold to do that today. We got them. Thank you, Allison. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, go ahead, Susan. <laughs> Sorry. Well, thank you. Yeah, so it depends on yeah how long they've been in the package, but you can sure give it a try with some of them. What you usually do with a cutting is uh, you would uh, take off the bottom leaves, but you want to leave on there at least uh, two or three nodes, and the nodes are where the leaves were. And mm -hmm. you put two or three nodes in the ground and then have a node or two above ground, uh, you know, um, in your planting when you plant them. Sometimes people will use potting, um, excuse me, use uh, rooting hormone, and rooting hormone is something that helps the plant to root. And depending on what the plant is, which which of the plants you're using, uh, sometimes they need bottom heat. So we don't put them in the sun. You know, when we're trying to start them from cuttings, we actually put them in indirect light. And um, you can make like a little greenhouse by putting them in a pot and then putting a plastic bag over the top of this pot and putting a rubber band around it and kind of making this little mini greenhouse, if you will, to hold mm -hmm. the moisture in and the humidity in. Sounds like back when we did terrariums in the 70s. Excellent, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, and it's cherim, you said, was the one that would be a good possible? Uh, Chervil is something to try. It's C-H-E-R-V-I-L. Chervil and parsley would be another one that I would suggest. I think that, um, you know, I have catnip growing in the shade, and I think you probably get catnip as one of the herbs that would grow in a semi-shady location. And, of course, um, the monarda or the um, bergamot that we talked about, that actually takes a semi-shady location where I'm located. Um, it can take sun, but it also can take a, a semi-shady location as well. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank have you fun for with calling. That. Okay. Next, we have Christina Brina. Brina, you can unmute. Brino, hi, hi everybody. Sorry, Brino, I'm That's sorry. Okay. Hi. <laughs> um, I have two questions. I love lavender, but I'm not successful with it. I think maybe it gets too much water. I'm not really sure. Uh, lavender likes it dry. Okay. Yeah. So if you are watering it too much, it we won't like that. It likes it fairly dry. I would say if you watered it uh, once every two weeks, it would be happy. Oh, really? You know. Yeah, uh, and so because it was getting it, it water actually, every day. Yeah, no, no, no. It does. It's it's a plant that uh, grows in hot, dry areas, and so you kind of have to give it what it likes best, which is hot and dry. Okay, oh, wow, no and it's also an antibacterial too, lavender. That's true. That is. That's true. They. Um. I've heard that they were using lavender and rosemary during the First World War when they ran out of, you know, um, disinfectants and things like that. So. It has been used even, you know, in um, military times, which is interesting. Wow. So they was, was it used in a poultice? 
I'm not sure. All I know is I read about it being used in the First World War where they were running out of supplies. And I thought rosemary and lavender are great. Yeah. And it's, um, it's such a, a versatile plant. My other question is, is there online where you can actually go online and do a course on master gardening and get your certificate? Do you know of any? Uh, actually, Oregon State um, does teach the Master Gardener program online. And so you can get a hold of uh, Oregon State University and uh, look up their Master Gardener program. There may be other states that also offer the Master Gardener program online, but that's the first one that comes to mind. Thank you. You're such a resource, Susan. Thank you so much. She is Thanks. amazing. All right, Allison. Any more? Yes. Uh, next is Ginger K. Ginger, you may unmute. Hi there. I have a quick question about the thyme you mentioned, the one-inch thyme, and that it might be nice to walk on. I was wondering if it would work well um, on a patio where weeds grow in between the cracks of the stones. Um, if thyme could grow there, and would it push out the weeds? Or Well, I don't know if it'll push out the weeds, but you can sure put it in between, and people do that, we'll put it in between stepping stones and things of that nature. Uh, you, creeping thyme is the one that you'd be looking for for a sunny location, and if it were a shady location, you'd be looking for what's called woolly thyme, woolly like a woolly sheep. Right. So woolly, woolly thyme is one of the few that can grow in shade, but most thymes grow in sun. And so creeping thyme would be the one that you'd be after in a sunny location. Uh, the creeping thyme will give you little pink flowers, and so um, oh, the bees nice. will be drawn to that. The um, woolly thyme doesn't really give flowers, so it's more, you know, uh, they both have very tiny, tiny leaves and have this nice little mat that they form. Great for walking on barefoot, by the way. Oh, sounds nice. Yeah, except for the bee part. We may we have, might just have to do the shady spot. Um, my other well, question... The, the, let me finish telling you about that time. Is that the, uh, the you know, creeping time does flower, but once it finishes flowering, then it's just green leaves. Oh. And so it's more of a spring thing, you know, that it flowers and then it stops flowering. Okay, good to know. Thank you. Um, my other question was about the lavender... Um, what's the best What's the best way to use the lavender flowers? Do, do the, is it better to let them get dry on without cutting them or to cut them and then use the flowers after they are dry? They usually will cut them uh, before all the flowers are open and then let them dry on the stalk. And then as they dry on the stalk, then you just knock them off and put them into little bags or, you know, sometimes they'll take those stalks and weave them into um, a little sachet. Um, they have some instructions on how to do that type of thing. I've never made one myself, but I've seen them where they use ribbon and kind of uh, put all the flowers on the inside and have the stalks on the outside, kind of like a, um, a baby's rattle, if you will. Oh, and so, um, and they enclose the flowers on the inside and then tie them and so uh, and weave the ribbon around. It's kind of uh, a fun way to uh, present something to somebody aside from, you know, a little sachet bag, nylon bag or something. But um, yeah, they usually try to get them fairly early because if they dry on the plant, um, you're not going to have as much of the oil in them uh, and the smell yeah. in them. Okay. Yeah, as you, as you will if you um, cut them while they're, you know, growing and, uh, and then use them, or, you know, and then dry them and use mm -hmm. them at that time. And how long do so, dried flowers last after? 
like how long are they good for? Like if you put them in a sachet bag, are they? Oh gosh. They they can last. I would say they can last for years. Um, okay. I've had excuse me sachet bags that um, they still smell. You know, you put them in with your clothing and stuff, and they still have a fragrance to them, and can be more than you know several years actually. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. Thank thank you. So Susan, I know in a recent Master Gardener class, somebody <coughs> mentioned making lavender syrup, but didn't say how. Have you ever made lavender syrup? I have not, but I have had lavender in cookies and lavender in cupcakes and things of that nature and lavender in um, lemonade that people have had. And all I know is that um, you only use a few flowers, you know, so they don't use a huge amount because they're very strong, you know, smelling. And so they just sprinkle a little bit in the recipe where people have used too many, then I think it's a little overpowering. But um, I have not made the syrup, but I think that that would be interesting for sure. And you'd probably only use a little tiny bit of syrup in order to get whatever, you know, um, uh, dish that you're preparing to have a slight lavender flavor to it. A little bit goes a long ways with lavender. Oh, yeah. And yes. <laughs> you use the flowers more than the uh, than the leaves then in culinary Yes, they mainly use correct? the flowers. Yes, yes, okay. that's true. Okay, all right, Allison. Any more hands yes, out there? Yes, ma'am. We have two more hands raised, and I just need okay. to let you know you have a, a, eleven more minutes until the top of the hour. Okay, these will probably be our last two people. So go for it. Okay, George, you may unmute. So this is George again. I just wanted to ask about. A, composting and how much herbs can benefit from composting because we we're talking about not uh, overdoing it with fertilizer. And then secondly, herbs and dogs. We have two fairly rambunctious dogs and I'm trying to think if I probably can't keep it on the ground if it's a place where they tend to run and dig and all kinds of other things. So I should definitely, I think, be contemplating more of a uh, square foot or raised arrangement. Or are there some herbs that are maybe hardier, harder to dig up, that kind of thing? Thank you. Well, um, George, I've gotten a question like that in the past where somebody was telling me, what kind of plants could I put in front of the fence where the dogs run back and forth? And I told him nothing because the, the nails of the dog really, you know, pretty much wreck any kind of plant that might be growing in the ground. It all depends on, on how much they run back and forth on top of the plants that most plants can't take a, a lot of that. But um, in answer to your, your other question there, you were talking about um, having something, you know, using compost on your herbs. And I would say that the herbs don't, like, don't need a lot of compost. If you're going to use compost, you will get some nutrition uh, and nutrients out of that for plants. But most composts don't have a lot of nitrogen in it. And so, you know, once something's been composted, the nitrogen is pretty much washed away out of it. So you'll get a lot of phosphorus and potassium, which is good. And it'll add some good organic matter to the soil to improve the soil. You wouldn't need more than about an inch, you know, maybe two inches at the most that you'd be digging in to the area that you're going to be planting. But remember, you don't want really rich soil for herbs to grow in. So I wouldn't baby them by putting lots and lots of compost in. And um, But adding it, you know, now and then, every other year or something would be okay. I don't think that that would make them grow too quickly. Yeah, and he brought up a good point. When you have pets, it is important to know 
if you have an herb that could be poisonous or could cause harm. Because um, some things that don't hurt us could hurt our pets. So it's, it's good to check that out, too. So we have one more call. Actually, now we have two. So, uh, But Cindy Hollis has her hand raised. So, Cindy, you can unmute. All right. Thank you. Uh, so uh, are there any versions of herbs that have a vanilla <laughs> uh, fragrance or, you know, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I really love vanilla. And then the other question I have is I am in a new home and uh, inherited, I guess, with this home, uh, three raised beds in, uh, in the backyard. And I get to decide what I want to grow in them. And I would like to dedicate one of them to herbs. My concern is that it sounds like many of these herbs will, uh, you know, repopulate and take over and so is there ideas around being able to keep them separated from each other and do you have any suggestions on other than lavender because I don't like lavender uh, uh, what might be good for me to start with thanks well um one of the questions you mentioned about vanilla I can't think of um, an herb that actually smells like vanilla vanilla is its own fragrance and oh, so darn. I can't think of any that that smell <laughs> exactly like that um, I think you might about the closest you could come and it's kind of borderline herbs would be um, possibly finding some of the scented geraniums and if you go to one of the greenhouses that carry scented geraniums uh, they, you might be able to find one that has a, a vanilla smell to it and I wouldn't doubt it. Let's put it that way. Those are, okay. but those are, um, they're mainly grown for their scents, these um, scented geraniums. And uh, your other question there about um, something else that would give another scent but not be lavender. And <laughs> no, um, my other question is more I've got a big raised bed and I would like to okay. be able to plant some herbs and. I said not lavender because I don't care for lavender. But yeah, you mentioned you didn't like that. What would um, and and knowing that a lot of these herbs will uh, repopulate and you know spread, how can you grow a lot of herbs in one big area and yet not have them? You know what I mean? Uh, intermingle. Is there a suggestion? Well. On that? You can actually grow um, the herbs that are annuals, and they, they're not going to be coming back for you unless you, you know, keep the seed. But things like basil isn't something that spreads at all, you know. Um, yeah, and rosemary, basil. Yeah. There are a lot not, of the they're not, of, they're not spreaders, yep. yeah. Okay. Parsley. And, yeah. Yeah, you so, yeah, we culinary what, herbs, yeah. Yeah, we hope we didn't give you the idea that herbs are going to take over your garden because a lot of them do not. And okay. A lot of them yeah. do have to, you know, um, hope that they will continue growing like basil. Basil won't grow through the winter here. And so every time we get basil, it's going to either be on your windowsill or there in the summertime for us. And we wish it would be something we could go year round with. But yeah, the annual herbs, I would say, would be a good choice. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy. And we can take one more very quick question. We only have a couple minutes. So do we have one okay. more? We do. Liz, you can unmute. Liz? 
Well, while we're waiting for Liz, I no, I do I'm trying. Am I am I okay. muted? Yep. Uh, you're, now you're, you're on. on. Go ahead. I was saying the wrong thing. I don't know what's going on. Okay. okay. Question: uh, Has anybody ever six? And this goes back to Cindy's comment because I put in um, an herb that spread out and it spread out and it took over and. Um, I need to move some of my oregano, so I would like to transplant it. Has anybody successfully dug up and transplanted oregano and can give me some ideas? And by the way, Cindy, I, I also think you should try to grow some chives. Just put in a thing of chives, but give them a lot of room around it. They will come back every year, but they're so good that you'll really be happy you have them. Um, Liz, I will say chives can take over, though. Yeah, I know, I know. I know. You have. To, I understand. Yeah. You have to give them a bunch <laughs> of room around it. But yeah. fortunately, they take a while before they take over. It's not like oregano. Watch the oregano, okay. kids, because oregano okay. can take over your life. I'm All right. So, mint, but, Liz, okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt, but we only have like 30 seconds for yeah. Susan to answer. So, Susan, do you want to quickly answer that one? Well, I think oregano is very easy to dig up, and you can um, just get in there with a shovel and chop off um, a, a bit of it and uh, move it if you're trying to move it. The oregano is one that does spread, and oh. so for you know people looking at some um, herbs that do not spread, you might even be looking at things like uh, germander. Germander is one that doesn't move very much at all. And it, it'll make a mound of itself and does pretty much stay does put. The re, um, I mean, is it possible to transplant it if I dig up and get enough uh, dirt underneath it? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's All you have to do is um, make sure you have a bunch of the root system with you um, oh, yeah. when you're digging it up. And you just take a chunk of it, just go into the middle of the plant and, and take a big chunk oh, of it. And if it, you have too much middle. of it, you could rip out the rest of it. Give it to friends or put it on the, I always tell people, if you put your plants on the uh, the curb and say free herbs, you'd be surprised how quickly they disappear. Oh, no, I know, but the middle of the plant All right. is a good suggestion. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you, Liz. Thank you, everybody who called in and listened today. Susan, thank you so much. This was highly beneficial and educational. We appreciate your time. Um if anyone wants to contact me about a future uh, show, it's acb.home.garden.agriculture at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you if you want to be a guest or know somebody who should be. Um, thank you to ACB and to uh, Allison and Debbie today for uh, helping out. So with that, we will say goodbye, and I'll see you again in a month. With Marge, next month it will be gardening as a person who's blind or has low vision. Thank you. Mm. Goodbye, everyone.